Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. And I'm Robin, and this fortnight on Books That Burn, we are discussing The Atrocities by Jeremy C. Shipp. For our factions, we have Dana Valdez, Mr. Evers, Mrs. Evers, their child Isabella, Robin, and Raul. Our first topic is mental illness. Um, This is a novella. We're trying to avoid spoilers in this well, section, but I think, it's a short honestly, book, and discussing pretty much anything starts yeah. immediately spoiling things. I, I was going to say, so. this book is short enough that I think if you're going to listen or read through our episode, you should assume spoilers, um, because yeah. I, I honestly don't think it is long enough for us to talk about really anything without bumping into spoilers. Like, There's pretty much no way. Especially because for every single topic we have chosen, it drastically changes how we talk about it if we talk about the spoiler ending or not, with no exceptions. Yep. So, yeah, spoilers be wary. So, assume and <laughs> I'm of sorry, spoilers, spoilers beware. That's what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the spoilers should be afraid of us. Okay, so <laughs> I mean, really, <laughs> yeah, shouldn't they be? Uh, so our first topic is mental illness, and we're focusing on Mrs. Evers, but there is, like, um, definitely some, like, mental illness, psychiatric history with the the main character, yeah. uh, Dana. Um, like, she has nightmares related to previously being institutionalized, but we don't have a ton of detail. Uh, and so we're focusing on Mrs. Evers because we have a lot of detail for her for this. Yeah, this is this is an interesting one. And here's something we're going to go ahead and state up front. The book does not. The book ha- treats this really kind of a little bit oddly. I'm going to go ahead and lay that out. Uh-huh. So the character that we're going to talk about, as far as we know, doesn't actually have any formal diagnosis. And we as an audience could probably like pretend to guess what she's supposed to be dealing with. But like 
we can't really put a name to it. We can only really look at like a couple of symptoms that are just very pervasive. But the other characters are incredibly quick to like call out and say that she has certain things, almost like they're calling her names. So, yeah, it's we're not going to try and pretend in this discussion and we're not going to try to pull from the book in this discussion and like pretend we know what it is she's dealing with but like we can we can talk about a couple of symptoms a couple of of actual things that are happening to her um and that's it (laughs) and then we're going to talk about the behavior of the other characters but we're not going to try and and sit here and like see if we can you know pull out of the book like what is she what is happening to her because we can't and I, i will go ahead and point this out uh because uh, this is actually weirdly enough not a fantasy or sci-fi book. It's not a supernatural yeah. book, but it leads you to think that it is. And this is where we get to spoiler warnings, like we've already said. Yeah. Um, this book sets you up to think that ghost possession is like an actual possibility, and then it turns out no, it's not. Uh, our ghost in question is not even dead. So. It, right, there's right. A, there's a part of the book where you kind of you almost go through or at least I did reading it you kind of go through thinking like all right why are they dismissing this as though she is suffering from something when clearly it's ghost possession why is this a question like we're kind of set up to think that way and then we get to the end uh-huh. of the book and all of a sudden it's kind of flipped and it's like oh no no, she actually there's something going on with her specifically. This is not ghost possession. But it's kind of a it's kind of a yeah, weird like it, a weird flip at the end there. Like it doesn't take a stance nearly as bold as like no ghosts exist ever, but no, there's no, no. extremely <laughs> good textual reason that the ghost that they think is involved literally cannot be involved. Yeah. Uh just like literally just can't. I also um, I also think it's very important to note that when we when we're going to talk about the other characters' treatment of her, um, it's important to note that everything is filtered through the lens of our protagonist, our our point of view, uh-huh. and that yeah. is not how our protagonist is thinking about her treating her. It's very much a protagonist views this thing and then goes, "Okay, well that's not helpful." Moving on. <laughs> um, uh-huh. So you you kind of get as a as a reader as an audience you kind of get that dual view on their treatment of her you you can see how they are thinking of her but then you can also see that kind of filtered through a lens of like looking at it and saying whoa maybe that's not helpful maybe that's not actually what we should be doing yeah like dana is just trying to figure out how to deal with this because like it she's set up as like a character who um because of her own background, like, literally understands what it's like to lose a child and has dealt with, like, struggles with her mental health, is still dealing with it. And so she shows up and, like, she wasn't hired to do this, but she is at least perfectly set up to be able to, like, be compassionate and, like, kind of empathize with Mrs. Evers and, like, figure out, like, whether this is too much for her to handle and they need to hire like literally any professional. Um, but, but the, the, the kind of the wrench of, or maybe it's ghosts is definitely used to like trap her in this space 
Because it's like, well, if it's mental illness, sure, I agree, we need a professional or whatever. But like, <laughs> what if it's ghosts? If it's if ghost possession. If it's ghost possession, if, then you'll be fine. Look, look, Dana, you gotta understand. If it's, if we hire a professional who thinks it's a mental illness, but it's actually ghosts, I'm just gaslighting my wife, and that's awful. Yeah, that's, um, <laughs> they don't use those words, but that is the argument there. <laughs> it's like, hey, buddy, yes, no, hey, buddy, that's you're not completely like you're not not doing that right now. Like, what is your problem? And it's and it's from the one person who literally knows. Yeah. The ghosts can't who who has every reason to know that ghosts can't be involved. I think like he absolutely has his own stuff where like some kind of something might mean that he does think that Isabella's actually dead. Like I believe that he believes it, but also objective reality says he is wrong. Well, just I mean just can't yeah. be. Like yeah, and I mean, he is kind of, I don't know, doing the like, oh, no, it's not really my kid. They're just the the fake compassion that he has early on for what his wife is dealing with. And like even something as simple as she didn't get to see the body. Now, she didn't get to see the body because there's no body because Isabella isn't dead. But like he in the framing of we think isabella is actually dead he identified and then had his daughter cremated without letting her mother see her without giving her the option like even if isabella is actually dead he is still awful and unsupportive and Act and like doing these weird half measures to that like gesture at supporting his wife, like hiring a series of people who keep being freaked out by his maze and leaving, um, like just just all all of this stuff. None of which would be good, I think, for anyone's mental health. Um. Well, and like, we. This is gonna. This is going to touch on our other topics. So I'm not really going to go into it, but yeah. Also like, oh, actually, does it? Did we actually put this in there? No, we did not. Never mind. Um, so they, we, we figure out eventually that like, this is this character's Mrs. Evers way of like, one of the things that happens is that she is essentially trying to, to call for help <laughs> um, because she knows and and this is not a conscious thought, but like, you know, this character is behaving as though if she, Mrs. Evers, completely, clearly, obviously, fully understanding and in control and doing what she is intending to do, says, my husband is abusing me, I have to leave, she can't go. But if it's actually the ghost of her child who says, mommy's being hurt then maybe somebody will will get her away and it won't have any repercussions on her. And I'm not saying that's a conscious thought, but like that's the the picture that we're kind of handed is that like yeah, when when it is Mrs. Evers believing she's being possessed by her child, she can talk about it, she can show bruises, she can walk up and say look at this thing like I have to get away or it's we have to get my mommy away or whatever. Um 
But then when it's when it's just her without anything else, she can't and she doesn't know what you're talking about. And oh, my husband would never. And and there's there's very much you're you're kind of set up to kind of by the end of the book, it's it's very much set up as a as a defensive mechanism. It's a thing that is happening to her to protect her, which, quite frankly, is a lot of things that we <laughs> label mental illness, including things like depression. Like that's your brain trying to keep you alive. Um, and in that regard, it reads very well as though the author is not just throwing it in there to have this character have this thing. It's throwing it in there because they want this this character. This character wants to live, and they've portrayed that very well. If that makes sense. Do we want to actually specify anything else? Because I mean, we said um, we would talk about how the other characters treat her, but like, it's very much it's a <clears throat> the way she kind of gets treated by the other characters is is kind of this like. Uh, Mrs. Evers at it again. I guess we'll just wait <laughs> until she stops. It's yeah. The thing is that like it's a very very small cast, and so the players are her husband, the abuser, two servants, and the main character who is in the hierarchy, a kind of servant, and slightly lower than the servants, like a hired person from the outside to do a job. Um, and so, like, the power dynamics involved mean that it completely makes sense that the servants aren't, like, stepping in and trying to, like, do stuff or fix something. Um, I, they, they're also, like, in this stressed out environment and, like, not getting told things and I'm sure they don't have any guidance on how to approach this at all and so they're definitely just trying to trying to like since like she is also nominally in charge of them they're just trying to like go with the flow and keep like the place from getting too messed up and like look they still have to clean it up whether it was ghost isabella or it was um mrs evers or was ghost Ella, isabella and mrs evers like no matter what they still have to deal with the thing that broke or got messed up I, I also really liked how there was never a scene where uh we could where there's never a scene where our main character could definitively catch something happening in the act you know it's always walk into the room and things have been shoved over or wake up to the sounds of crashing and then no one is there or um, you can hear things happening, but the door is locked and she can't get in. Like it, it, it's it leaves it very ambiguous, and you could argue either way until it's revealed at the end. And I just think that's very good. It's done very well. And on to our next topic, which is kidnapping. All right. Uh, as we said before, this is a novella. Um, it's it's very short. We're not really attempting to avoid spoilers. Also, this is specifically an end of book topic. So full spoilers from here on out. Okay, so um, after all of the like back and forth and what's happening and all the stuff with our first topic, uh, no, nah, Mr. Evers is just kidnapping people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's, um, I mean, he was already, uh, terrible, 
and creepy and doing like weird stuff and like seeming like he was either pretending to not understand or legitimately doesn't understand why everything in his entire house is so creepy. Um, But now on top of that, he's like putting people in the basement and then pretending that once they're in the basement, they're dead. (laughs) Um, And it's, I was thinking about during our first topic, but it wasn't time to say it yet. This is just like that, the, the meme where it's like, you know, the whole like, I'm not dead. I can still hear their voice. Like, that's literally what he's doing to people. I'm not dead. Yes, yeah. Get in the car. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> literally. Yeah. But just, and the like, I can still hear their voice. He's like telling people that his kids probably may be a ghost. And she's like, also, you, oh my goodness. You want to know the wildest thing you about are- that to me? He yeah, tells them what? they're dead, but he arranges for them to be fed. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, okay, but does he arrange? Okay, no, it has to be him arranging for them to be fed because I don't think Robin and Raul would have kept quiet about them literally feeding people in the basement. But yeah. if they did, they are also terrible. That's my stance on this. No, Robin explicitly um, is the one putting down food. Ah, nope, then then um she's terrible and I don't I don't like that uh she has my name. I'm I'm <laughs> unhappy now. Um No no she's cause she's also the one who um who puts the sleeping do draught whatever dosage. That's true, yeah. Like um But then as soon as uh, they are out of the basement, she is then literally driving the escape car. <laughs> so Yeah. She is um, morally flexible. I, I would I would not argue more morally flexible. I would argue taking orders from whichever of her, her masters says them. <laughs> like, yeah. just no questions asked. <laughs> like, ah, Mrs. Evers, you would like an escape car. Let's go. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't forget the capybara. <laughs> I love the capybara. Anyway, uh, yeah, he's he's kidnapping people in the basement. And, like, he's been doing this for, like, a long time. First of all, Isabella has been dead for months. And also, uh, like, it's been long enough that, like, there is, like, another person in the basement. And it's the person who had Raul's job before Raul. Yeah. Um, well, I honestly, I wonder what that makes me think f- that they just refused to go along with it and then were shoved in the basement and then Raul was. Yeah, yeah, we don't get that kind of detail because the guy in the basement is not in a position to talk to anyone yeah. about anything. Th- that's the He's implication like that I got barely from alive. It. <laughs> yes, yes, that is a, I think, a reasonable assumption to make. Um. But also, you know, anyone involved in narrating is not, um, anyone who has that information wouldn't frame it that way. Like, Mr. Evers absolutely wouldn't talk about it that way. He's just like, oh, nope, he's dead. Yeah, he died, and then I had to get Raul. Like, (laughs) if he were to talk about it, he doesn't even talk about him. He just, Isabella, just Isabella being like, I'm gonna guess. Okay, we'll talk more about her in our our next topic. But yeah, uh, so the end of the book is um, drugging and kidnapping, and it takes up like it's a pretty brief section because it's like literally the end of the book. 
Um, thankfully, Dana doesn't spend very long kidnapped. Um, she gets out kind of immediately, which I'm now realizing feels weird. Was she let out? Like, I just read it, and then I'm... Okay. No, Mrs. Evers saw them being taken into the basement and then came and unlocked the door. And then she followed them down. Okay, okay. Because she did not know that that was a thing prior to this. Yeah. Like, I know old houses have weird stuff, but to me it feels so weird to not know that you have a basement. I don't think it was not knowing that they had a basement i think it was didn't go down there doesn't have a reason to go down there didn't think anything was suspicious and needed to investigate until now i don't know yeah it's the i think the the main reason that i wanted to talk about the kidnapping because like we don't we don't have a ton of detail on it is partly because of like yeah what it does for like the complicity of like everyone involved because this also means that like that robin knew that isabella wasn't dead which right recasts like everything else that she did in the entire thing um yeah yeah that's most of it it's like a two-page revelation yeah that that yeah, and like we'll we'll talk about Isabella a bit more in the next topic, but like the one thing that it does and we don't get like a ton of detail on this is that like this is Dana getting put in like yet another room that she can't leave um which we know is almost definitely like triggering in some way for her um like there's stuff immediately for her to deal with once she's in there. But, you know, just it makes me think of like the the thing from earlier in the book where it's I came to this house to escape empty rooms and the house is just a series of empty rooms and absences. Yeah. And even when someone's in the room, it is somehow worse. Uh, if you for some reason skipped the other two topics but jumped here, this is an end of book spoiler topic. We're going to be talking about things for the whole book. So um, if you don't want to be spoiled, please also skip this one and head to the <laughs> wrap up. We'll we'll see you there. Okay, so all right, we mentioned and or alluded to it briefly before, but all right, Isabella not actually dead. Isabella is just in the basement. Um, not just in the basement. She is kidnapped and in the basement um, with her father insisting that she is dead. And um, so it's weird because we spend like narratively, it feels like you spend a ton of time with Isabella because it's like you spend like a long time thinking you're maybe interacting with her ghost. Um, I will also note that, granted, she was, like, um, kidnapped for several months, and so, like, she grew up a bit there, but the version of it, of her, that her mom is, like, 
reacting to and voicing in what can't be a ghost and so kind of must be some kind of mental illness delusion something um or an incredibly selective ghost that literally only appears to her that is also a possibility yeah but that ghost isn't isabella because isabella is not dead no you know what i'm saying like up through the book that was an option until we saw isabella right right but so whatever that is is behaves so much like um like younger and like less maturely and more impulsive and impetuous than the Isabella that we end up meeting now it is entirely possible that a lot of that difference is from being locked in a basement for a bunch of months so like i'm not Couple. i'm not ruling that out um i was going to say a couple years older gone through some pretty heavy trauma sensory deprivation just sitting there yeah um because she seemed like kind of like competent and on it and remarkably adjusted for having been kidnapped and in a basement but also like i don't think i like the version of her her that's screen to say adjusted oh sorry she is competent in a crisis there we go (laughs) which says nothing for like how to uh be when not in a crisis I, I I really do like that um it's just this moment of like oh no like Dana is really good with kids because like she's like hey um you know thanks for the update on how much this is all awful uh can you tell me about um the animals you love talking about because she already knows yeah. that Isabella loves talking about these animals and so it's like yeah you know tell me some tell me some facts and then for them a bunch of time part of why we are spared like hours of experientially them being locked in a basement is because they fill it with like capybara facts and right. stuff <laughs> I am still disturbed by the beaver fact uh <laughs> But, oh, I already yeah. knew that one about beavers. Uh, no, I I learned it from this. Uh, but yeah, so we have. So I think that we went back and forth on a little bit before doing the episode. Is like, is it appropriate to do child death as a topic when the child in question isn't dead? And I said, yeah, because we still need a content warning for child death because, like, as a topic, the book engages with right. child death. Both because of um, Dana's backstory and the kid that she lost, but even without that, you spend all this time immersed in the idea of Isabella and her death, that at the end, like, the fact that she is alive doesn't make it any less awful, and, like, it doesn't take away all that time spent, like, thinking about her death and trying to deal with a world where she is at least not as vibrantly in it, even if we're being told that some form of her is still around. Um, but just the, the leap, the leap of, oh no, things keep getting broken. Clearly our child is having trouble adjusting to the idea of being dead. Yeah. And I would, ju- I would just like to return to, oh my goodness, Mr. Evers is awful. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's um, that's some uh, not subtly but definitely explained away hints <laughs> at what is actually going on here. Mm-hmm. So, like, as like a theme, um, and I I had uh not tracked this super well the first time I read this. Um, Dana, like lost her i believe her son her her child at some point not too far in the distant past and like it's like there's little hints of like things about her life that fell apart yeah and like she tries to empathize with mrs evers on the basis of like also knowing what it's like to lose a child and just for me it's like this weird moment of like mrs evers kind of like rejecting that overture especially when it turns out that when it's all over dana is now the only one who knows what it's like to have your kid be dead because well, no, that's not fair, actually. I think Mrs. Evers yeah. knows what it is like to have her child be dead because she just child, ends up getting her back. Yeah, her child was removed from her life and she was told she was yeah. dead for literally a couple years. Like, oh, that's true. I was the, thinking of it as being months, no. but it might be, <laughs> you think it's longer than that? Well, I mean, she, several comparisons are made about how she looks different because it has been a couple years now at the end um so no i i think i think that before the reveal that was explicitly true about both of them regardless of her actual Mm -hmm. state of being and after the reveal it is still a shared experience even if she's still there yeah i was just thinking it was weird with like mrs evers like kind of like rejecting that attempt at connection because well, when when Dana tries that, Mrs. Evers is like, no, 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 she's here. She's just here differently. I think that's part of why I'm thinking of it as like her she, her thinking she that clearly, her thinking that her child is a ghost does not mean yeah, yeah. that she thinks she's alive. <laughs> that's that's those true. are that's not the point. same thing. <laughs> um, yeah, but also like. She doesn't want you see to deal at, with right? her being gone. So she right. and she doesn't want to connect that way and she doesn't want to think about it and she doesn't want to process it or she can't either way. Um but also like two people who have a shared experience don't necessarily bond over that shared experience. That's not oh, a guarantee. No, yeah. Mhm. Yeah. I kind of wonder like, I don't know how much they knew about Dana before hiring her. Like, we don't have inf- enough information to know if, like, they knew she'd lost her own child or not. Or if, from their perspective, it's just a coincidence. I um, I highly doubt from the way she's been in the book that she would have told them. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like, I there's so much, there's so many, like, things, but also because of the length, most of them... Other than, like, a lot of, like, atmospheric stuff and nightmares. Um, yeah, other than the nightmares that are very interesting. Um, a lot of stuff uh, kind of, like, rather matter-of-factly happens. Um, even, like, kidnapped and then getting out of it goes, like, super fast. 
Um, okay, so one last thought I had on this um, with the child death is like um, Mr. Evers, like at the end, like as they are escaping is like still trying to insist on the supernatural explanation and that like that's not Isabella. Isabella really is dead and not, you know, and also that Dana is dead. Basically, you know, anybody who went in the basement, they're dead. They're ghosts. They're trying to trick you. Um, and I, in terms of like continuity of his character, like I'm kind of glad that like the mask never drops, if that makes sense, because like, I don't, I think he is, he's like deluded, but consistent. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. It's time to thank our awesome patrons who've pledged high enough to receive monthly shoutouts. That means this month, our thanks go to Case Aiken. Thank you so much for supporting the show. And if you would like to join Case in keeping the show going, you can check us out on patreon.com slash books that burn. Hey, Nerf Herders. My name is Case Aiken, and for over two years, I've hosted my show, Another Pass, where I sit down with interesting guests to talk about movies that we find fascinating but flawed. Good movies, bad movies, doesn't matter. We find ways that they could have been improved. So if you ever thought that a sequel dropped the ball by forgetting about a plotline, that an epic could have been saved by introducing the director to an editor, or that a comedy didn't work hard enough to have some substance behind the laughs, then check out Another Pass podcast at CertainPOV.com or wherever you get your podcasts. On to the wrap-up and ratings for The Atrocities by Jeremy C. Ship. All right. For... Our first topic of mental illness. What's the gratuity rating? Mm. Um, uh, I, I think severe, especially in combination with like the um, the nightmares and flashbacks that the main character is having. The, like, the nightmares and the flashbacks. What are you categorizing those as under our topic? Because we did not really talk about those at all in our topic. Yeah, I I think generally the for like our the particular character, I mean even just even just with the minor character that we were talking about, I I do think it is severe. Okay, but we're not rating how much of a of a thing this is, we're rating how it is to read it. And in that case, I would actually argue that it's mild. Interesting. Um what's your argument for mild? My argument for mild is that it is not actually negatively impacting our main character at all. We don't have a point of view of the other characters experiencing. It's not causing them distress. It's actually a coping mechanism and it's not physically harming anybody at all. <laughs> it's just kind of a thing. Nobody else can see them. Like there are other things that are happening that are attributed to the thing that this is related to spoilers. Uh, that's not what's happening. The character who has this is not harming anybody, the, including themselves. The character who has this is just doing the best they can. They're even actively, they're the reason that they brought in our point of view character to work as a teacher. 
they're only on screen supportive and helpful and doing their best. <laughs> like <laughs> that's it. Okay. All right. You've you've talked to me around for that. Um kidnapping. Severe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I th- yeah. Now, now actually, maybe. Brief, but s- Brief. Or moderate, you think? Because maybe of moderate. Moderate because there's so little of the thing on the screen. Uh, and we have no aftermath, really, at all. Um, I think we'll get into that in our mild, moderate, or our, um, our the other rating. Um, I, th- I think... I think it's it's definitely not a mild thing to have happen, but I think the depiction of it is at most moderate. Yeah. At most. <laughs> okay. Um and then the child death. Severe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like severe. It just is. Yeah. yeah. For a lot of reasons. Um okay. Integral, interchangeable, or irrelevant. Okay. Um, we you're gonna, actually you're hate know, my answer for this. <laughs> I was going to say we actually know that the mental illness is interchangeable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we literally have what it, like, what it's interchangeable with. Canonically. Well, do we? What do you, what do you yes. think it's interchangeable with? I mean, it is literally interchangeable with ghosts. It's not, though. Specifically. It's not. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> it's, what, are, why do you think i'm not gonna like that you'll say irrelevant uh no or integral uh i i if you interchange it with something else then we would have lost our ending <laughs> this is true okay you can't so it's actually integral? do that it's either integral or irrelevant it i because it cannot be changed if we got rid of it would the book still exist Without anything else. Um. Oh, wait. No, it would. Yeah. Everything attributable to mental illness is attributable to malice. Yes. Weird. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> okay. You're right. Yeah, you can't swap it. But if it's completely not there. Then it's also fine. Then it's. Because there's at least one person involved where probably, where it is equally possible as written that mental illness isn't involved for them. Correct. So it's irrelevant. (laughs) But it is specifically not interchangeable. It just changes the number of characters. It just changes the number of characters I don't like. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. uh, Kidnapping. Uh... The kidnapping. I think integral. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah. That's definitely integral. Okay. Child death. Interchangeable. <laughs> yep. That's interchangeable. There it is. Um, And that's all we're saying there. Okay. So. Uh, can was... I just say, because we're about mm-hmm. to get to the ones where this can't physically happen. Um, our last two categories, we have had one of each, but they don't line up. <laughs> So we've had a mild uh-huh. irrelevant, a moderate integral, and a severe interchangeable. <laughs> <laughs> Usually that doesn't happen. Usually there's a double something somewhere. Mm-hmm. And our next category has four options, so it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. Was it treated with care for the mental illness? Yeah. Um, actually. Yes. Yeah. Uh, write down and without spoilers, including our point of view character not being terrible. Actually, no. Maybe maybe not yes, but maybe enough. Either not enough I think or enough. enough. It's one probably. of the two. Because we have other characters. We have certain characters that are treating this character badly, but like it's not our point of view character and it is absolutely not how the reader is supposed to take it. So maybe maybe just enough. Maybe, yeah, although maybe this might enough. be a your mileage may vary. Maybe we just aren't seeing that as more impactful. I, I It's definitely yeah, not I, a no and it's definitely not a yes. I definitely think it's enough. Okay. And if anybody thinks we are wrong about that, please let us know. Um, yeah, we're interested. Okay, so the kidnapping... I would say, yeah, it's like that that's there for exactly as long as it needs to be. And we're aware of how much longer we could have been talking about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Child Um, death. Okay. I'm going to say no um, or not enough. No. I'm going to say no, because I think... Like, that is central to a lot of the horror. Engaging with the topic of child death is essential to the book. And I think the care is in making it a novella and not a novel. Um, But I think, you know, it's absolutely purposeful. I don't think that no care for this topic is a bad thing. Absolutely not. Like... It's a horror book. Like, this is what we signed up for, um, for this topic. Like, yeah. So I think No Care, very well crafted and specifically purposefully No Care, I think. Um, for the moral directionality. Um, I think, I think it becomes more clear but like it a Um, lot of it's muddy i honest i honestly think it's clear the whole time you Um, think it's clear i think it's clear our our point of view character does an incredibly good job of contextualizing the things that other people are doing um and and at no point do we ever go oh we can't tell if this character is right or wrong like that's not a thing um we know what the only even possibly like tangled thing or muddy thing would be when the main character is deciding to stay or go, but that's not a moral decision. That's just the main character figuring out what's healthy for them. Yeah. I think that's what was having me think it was muddy was like those kinds of decisions. Yeah. But, but, but those are the kind of yeah. decisions where like nobody actually owes you or you don't actually owe anybody a certain decision. So mm-hmm. this main character can decide to stay and try to help or they can decide to leave because they don't think they can help. They can decide to stay because they think it'll help them. They can decide to leave because this is making their own issues worse. Like none of that is a moral decision. It's all just a personal one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Then 
for and the like, point of view like for the trauma and aftermath. It it feels I know this is a thing that for some people feels really harsh to say that like other people don't actually owe you certain behavior outside of very limited like things. There's a lot of behavior that other people can do what they want, quite literally, and it's actually okay. And this is just one of those where I mean, the book would not have happened in the same way if they had left, but like they didn't have to stay. Yeah. So Yeah, okay. Um for the point of view. Um I mean, it's it's first Dana person narrative the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. It's her the whole time. Uh, for the troop spotter, we have the secret test of character. <laughs> um, like it's a brief one. Uh, it's but it's it, alluded um, to be slightly longer outside of the narrative. Like, just yeah, it's it's, it's also kind of defined like the, as pretty gross and agree. <laughs> yeah, it's like the one of the early signs of a particular character being like not great um, right that they would set up this test all right what was your favorite non-traumatic thing about the book hmm uh you go first the capybara dang it i should have gone first (laughs) um i had a brief moment when rereading it when i was like because like we there's a capybara toy first (laughs) and i was like oh no did i misremember and think there was a live capybara in this and i'm just wrong no 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 there's also a live capybara yeah um uh hmm. i mean it's a novella did i leave you anything non-traumatic to list (laughs) this i i mean i'm just gonna go with my typical it's only non-traumatic to me um Uh uh-huh I, I I don't know if this is even trauma related. I I really like that the the setting of where this is and how they operate feels very solid. Um, mm-hmm. it, there's a little bit of like the way that the the house is run and the way things are described and the you know th- it feels older and almost Victorian. But then they have cell phones, mm-hmm. right? But the way that the setting is treated that doesn't feel weird it just feels like it's different um you know cell phones came out and i wasn't like what where are we like that doesn't happen um instead it's just a thing you know the Uh the character very matter-of-factly says oh we don't have a house phone so house phones exist (laughs) like you know it's it's that feeling of like the, there's no over explaining and again it's a novella but they, they don't spend a lot of time justifying the situation it just is um and that makes it feel more solid and more real um i guess if that makes sense i just like i just like how it's treated it, it's treated the way that in my opinion makes books more immersive mm-hmm. yeah not that not that there's a problem with explaining your your scenario, but like it's just it was very uh-huh. easy to just read this book and go, ah, yes, that is how that works. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's gonna do it for the atrocities. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll catch you in a fortnight.
All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. Our transcriptionist is Heather. Follow her on Twitter at MamaDragon20. We're proud members of the Certain Point of View Network. Find all the CPOV shows at www.certainpov.com. You can contact us on Twitter at Books That Burn or by email at booksthatburn at yahoo.com. Please consider leaving us a tip at ko-fi.com slash booksthatburn or becoming a monthly supporter on patreon.com slash books that burn. All patrons get access to our upcoming book list, bonus content, including the second half of all interviews, and will receive a one-time shout-out. To get updates on our written reviews, recent episodes, and newly completed transcripts, subscribe to our fortnightly newsletter at buttondown.email slash books that burn. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review wherever you're listening. This helps people to find the show. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.